Right. Before I start, I'd just like to open in a word of prayer, and then we'll have our message. Yeah. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you, Lord, that we've come here and have the wonderful privilege to learn more about you, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that um, we have this church that's going through its fifth anniversary, Lord. And it's really a blessing that we could come here to a place of refuge, Lord, to learn more about you, to come and worship you, and to grow spiritually, Lord. Lord, we pray, Lord, that um, you would hide me behind your cross today, Lord, as I bring forth this message, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you'd open the hearts out there, Lord, that everyone who hears this message may derive a benefit from it, Lord. And Lord, those that are not saved, Lord, Lord, that your hand would be on their hearts, Lord, and that you would touch them today, that they may come to seek your face. We ask us all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> today, we are celebrating the fifth anniversary of Faith Baptist Church. And it is really, really a privilege for me to be up here preaching. I remember the first time that I came to this church as a visitor. We were not in this place, but I think we were in the Girl Guides Hall in Brunswick. Girl Scouts. Oh, okay. Boy Scouts. All right. Okay, Boy Scouts Hall uh, in Brunswick. It was really a small little place, and um, those that were there can attest to that. But it was a place where God's word was faithfully preached. It was a place where faithful believers had heard the word of God and heard God's call and started the church. Through the faithfulness of these believers, we are here today. God has truly blessed this church, and now we are much bigger. We have more people here. The hall is bigger, and God has faithfully added to the numbers. And we can only just do only one thing, is praise God for that. It's not through our own efforts. Nothing that we could do could bring the numbers here or grow this church. God did it. So how did this happen? It happened because of our faithful believers that have trusted God and His Word through the good times and through the hard times. In today's message, I want to look at some, uh, an aspect of this. And how to keep yourself faithful to the Lord. Now, please turn to me to Psalm chapter 73. It's a psalm of Asaph and a very, very popular one. And I'm sure many people have read it before. But we're going to look at verses 1 to 16. We'll read through that right now. Psalm chapter 73. Verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such that are a clean heart, of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their depths, but, in their, strength, uh, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand still with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt. They speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongues waketh, uh, walketh through the earth. Therefore the, Lord, the people return hither, 
and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. They say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. We'll stop there. In the Bible, we always see that there are two paths shown. There's always two roads that are indicated. The first path that we see is a broad or the wide path. This is a path that the majority of the people in this world are following. It's a road that the Bible describes leads to destruction. And many, many people take that path. We see in verse 1 that Asaph realizes the truth that God is good to those with a clean heart. Those that are believers, those that trust in Christ as their Savior, only those people who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior can have a clean heart before God. It is only the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed at Calvary that can make the atonement for your sin. This can only, only this can cleanse your heart. But we see that in verse 2. If we just read verse 2, it says there, But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Asaph, a believer, said that he nearly fell. He nearly lost his faith. He nearly lost his purpose and faithfulness to God. Brethren, do we feel sometimes like Asaph during our trials and during our Christian walk? How many times do you see articles in the newspaper or on TV of wicked people prospering, getting very rich? We, we see stories of drug kingpins or heads of prostitution rings evading law and becoming very, very wealthy. There's a TV episode on, 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 on I think it's called... I don't know, I can't remember. About some drug kingpin in Australia um, and all the whole drug life. But these people are getting very wealthy and very rich at the expense of many people, of thousands and thousands of people. They live in mansions, they drive luxury sports cars, they live the high life. It doesn't just have to be people such as drug addicts or, I mean, drug lords or all that. Could also be CEO multinationals. Could be many, many people. When they are sick, they don't seem to have any problems like we do. There's an Australian personality, I understand, that has just had a liver transplant. He's back to his old ways, and there's, there's questions whether his new life will be in jail or not. But they don't seem to have problems like we do, they don't seem to have any issues. There's um, an American multinational CEO who is suffering from pancreatic cancer. And at the moment, he seems like he's been cured of that. And he's continuing his life just like before. This company uses a company in China to produce products. 
They pay their staff a pittance, an annual salary of maybe four times the product that they sell. And I'm sure many people might have these products in their possessions. But there's been many stories of those people that work in these factories. These people that have committed suicide because of the working conditions that they work under. Because of the environment that they're in. But these people, these multinational CEOs, who take advantage of of the poor, the underprivileged, they continue to get richer and richer. They're not troubled like other men. They don't have to worry about their paychecks. As we read in Asaph, Asaph saw the same thing in his day. They don't have to balance their books to make ends meet. In sickness, they get the best surgeons. There's no cues for them. There's no money issues. They go into exclusive private wards. And they go for surgery, not necessarily for medical reasons, to make themselves look better. They are proud. They are corrupt. They live in sin. They may have multiple partners. They curse God. Yet, they seem to prosper. They always seem to land on their feet. They seem to get ahead in this world. If you look at the news, you can name many of them. There's a former Australian cricket star. It's in the headlines recently. A former model actress. A popular American sitcom actor. Even a very popular motoring TV journalist. The list can go on and on. We can talk about golfers. We can talk about any, any, any sports. They break every law in the Bible, and yet they prosper. That is why Asaph said in verse 2 and 3, if we read there, it says, But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps were had well nigh slip. For I was envious of the foolish when I saw their prosperity in the world. We see that's why Asaph nearly said that he nearly lost his way and his faithfulness to God. He was envious of the good things that the wicked were having and was and enjoying. Yet, it was going very hard and very tough for Asaph. Two weeks ago, <clears throat> I, read, I really had a really tying, uh, trying time. I was faced with some challenges that generally I would have shrugged off, taken to the Lord in prayer, and let him deal with it in his own time. I, like Asaph, looked at the weak, wicked, and saw how they prospered. But, unlike Asaph, I decided to look to myself for a solution. I said, what could I do to get out of this situation? How should I react? I sought wisdom from man and not from the Lord. I did exactly the opposite. So how did this all turn out for me? How did this difficult situation that I was in turn out for me when I turned to the world? When I went and looked at my own wisdom instead of the wisdom of God? That Friday was probably the worst day of my life. Instead of seeking the Lord's help and guidance, 
and leaving my trouble with the Lord, I chose to carry the burden myself. And I, oh, how heavy that burden was for me. <clears throat> my shoulders during the day started to droop. My heart was heavy. My cheerful countenance was gone. I was glum. I walked around like a zombie. Nothing around me. I could not take anything around me. In. It was having no effect on me. I was depressed. And I said, as I said, it was one of the, uh, probably the worst day that I could ever remember in a long time. I've always wondered how depressed people felt. And oh, I really found out that time, that Friday. It's really a sad feeling. It's a feeling of helplessness. It's a very, very lonely feeling. And also a feeling of self-pity. The other thing I found out about this condition was that it is incredibly tiring. I was so tired during that time. All the energy was drained out of me. I felt weak. And for three days I had no energy. It took me over about two weeks to recover from this tiredness that I felt. From trying to trust on myself. So how did I overcome this? Well, I repented. I turned to the Lord. I confessed myself a sin of self-pity, thinking that I deserved better. I thanked Him for the test and His provision, and I left it to the Lord. I read His Word. (coughs) After confessing my sin to the Lord, the weight lifted and the burden went. But... The tiredness stayed until I recovered. The Lord also blessed me with a beautiful wife who saw my condition and she treated me out to a wonderful meal at a wonderful restaurant and that also helped my spirits as well. Really a blessing to have a good wife. I think now, back on that situation, And what I should have done is looked at Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. If I had done this, I would have not had the tiredness, I would not have had the trouble within myself. So we'll just read that. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28. It says, Come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. How much easier would it have been for me if I had just listened to this passage of Scripture? But, as I mentioned earlier, going back to this uh, message, there are two paths in the Bible that we have. The path that leads to righteousness and the path that leads to death. 
And how did Asaph deal with the situation that he was in? Where he looked and saw the wicked, how they were prospering. And he was in um, a lot of trouble, going through trials and tribulations. Turn back to Psalm 73. And we're going to read from verse 17 to 28. Most important thing to realize in this psalm is verse 17, which we'll read. And this is what Asaph realized when he compared himself and to that of the wicked. It says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. Surely thou didst set them on a slippery place, in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How art they brought, are they brought into desolation, as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors? As a dream when one wakeneth, so, O Lord, thou, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise the image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterwards receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire besides thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord, that I may declare all thy works. These verses bring everything back into reality. These verses show that the wicked have all the pleasures and comfort only for a little while. It is like grass that comes up very quickly. It grows up really fast. But all that grass is good for is to cut it down and throw it into the fire. The wicked and the unsaved may follow their own ways, seeking after the world. They may have pleasures, they may have riches, they may have wealth, they may have everything in this world. They may have it for 10 years, they may have it for 20 years, they may even have it for 100 years. But, they are, they are damned to eternal hell. What is 100 years in eternity? It's like a drop in the ocean. It is nothing. God will judge them. And they will stand naked before the Lord. We as believers must realize that although we've been saved, we've been redeemed, we still live in a world that is full of sin and evil. Our flesh will still try to pull us to sin against God. Our flesh has not been redeemed. Our flesh will keep us pointing to the wicked and how they're living, in this high, living the high life. How they're enjoying every moment of their lives on this earth. How they can have huge mansions. How they can have expensive cars, expensive jewelry, etc. But, like Asaph, we need to realize 
the end of that road. So how do we counter the flesh and try and live godly lives for God? I want to turn over to Psalm chapter 11. Oh, no, 119, sorry. Psalm chapter 119. And we look at verse 11. This is a key verse in Scripture. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. That is a key verse. We need to hide God's word in our heart daily. That means we need to study His word daily. We need to read every single day. We need to memorize scripture so that you have it very deep in your heart. When you are heavy laden with care and worry, when you don't know how you are going to get through the trial that you are going through, what do you do? Look at verse 28. It says here, My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. We will derive strength from God's word. But we need to read it. We need to study it. It needs to be in our hearts. That's the only way we can do it. What happens if you are being persecuted by people? If people around you are telling lies about you? Talking behind your back. Look at verse 42. What does 42 say? So shall I have wherewith answer them that reproacheth me. For I trust in thy word. We are to trust the word. We've got to trust the Bible. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the word. We've got to trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He's the only one who can help you through all your trials and all your troubles. What about when proud people afflict you? When they try to make you feel like nothing, try to push you down, speak loftily at you. When they try to cheat you, when they will cause you to fear or they threaten you, what do you do? Okay, let's read verse 51 and 52. The proud have had me greatly in derision. Yeah. Yet have I not declined from thy law. I remember thy judgment of all, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Again, back to the word of God. For every trial or test that we have come across, we can turn to God's word for help, for comfort, for reproof, for hope, for guidance. The Bible is a living book. It's been given to us for a great blessing. 
Look at what the psalmist says about trials and why we have them. Why God puts believers through these tests and trials. Turn to um, verse 57. We'll read from 57 to 72. It says, Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep thy words. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. The bands of the wicked have robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy law. At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee, because thy righteous judgments. I am a companion of all them that fear thee, and of them that keep thy precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. Thou art good, and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts in my whole heart. My heart is fat as uh, their heart is fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. We see in verse 67, the psalmist says, that before I was afflicted, I went astray. How easy is it for us as Christians to go astray? And we just go the wrong way. But the Lord brings afflictions and trials and temptations and tests into our life so that we could go and learn more about Him and turn to Him. And we look here in verse 71, it says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn my statutes. If you read the final verse which I read, which is verse 72, Asaph says, oh, the psalmist, not this Asaph, but the psalmist says, The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. How precious is that? That the word of God is more precious than everything in this whole world. God lets his children go through trials and afflictions, not for fun, but that we may turn to God's word, that we may learn his laws, to learn his word and be obedient to it. Biblical hope is a strong and confident expectation that what God has promised in His Word, He will accomplish. Trials and tribulations produce perseverance, character and hope. Turn to Romans chapter 5 and we'll read verses 3 and 4. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 
and four. It says there, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So believers, we have the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit in our hearts that has been given specifically to us. And we have a hope. And just turn over the page unto Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25. It says here, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. And we can read verse 26 as well. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray as we ought. For the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us, and groanings which cannot be uttered. Again, believers have the Holy Spirit in them. Where faith thrives, where there's no hope. People always try to see, when they're in a hopeless situation, they try to find some form of hope. But believers, we don't have to have that problem. We've got the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. If you're a believer, and you attend this local church, then you have a real blessing. The Lord has blessed this church with many men who are willing to preach and teach God's word. They preach the truth and they preach to feed every, everyone here spiritually. We are truly, truly blessed as we can come to this church and learn more about Jesus. More about His saving grace. However, if you are attending this church here today and you are an unbeliever, someone who has not trusted Christ as his Savior, then there are a couple of things I want to point out to you. The first thing is that whatever you are chasing in this world is fleeting. Everything that you strive for in this world will never satisfy you. You may chase wealth, you may chase fame, you may chase excellence, you may chase family. Anything else that you can think of, you could chase after, but it's futile. You may get the latest smartphone, the top of the line, the best in the whole world. But guess what? Wait two months, what happens? A better one arrives. <laughs> you may have the fastest car ever built or the fastest motorbike. Guess what? Wait two years, a faster one will be out there. I remember when I was young, many years ago, 
the dream car to have was a Lamborghini Countach. And I'm sure some people might remember, remember those days. But if you actually look what's happening now, there are so many more, so many cars, different cars from different manufacturers that are faster, that are better, they look better, they drive better than the Countach. Guess what? The richest man in the world a couple of years ago was Bill Gates. He's no longer the richest man in the world. There's another man who's just overtaken him. Turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. This is Lord Jesus speaking. And it asks this question. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his whole soul? For his soul. Question you could ask yourself here, if you're an unbeliever, is what is your soul worth to you? Is your soul worth a car? Or a promotion? Or riches? Or power? Or status. There's been many, many movies made in Hollywood where they talk about people making a deal with the devil. As if he had uh, a choice. Where they bargain with the devil for something in exchange for their soul. Is your soul precious to you? That's the question you could ask yourself. If your soul is precious to you, then there is definitely good news for you. If you don't value your soul very much, then chase after the things of the world. Chase after the pleasures of the world. Because your end thereof is destruction. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Before everyone here today, as I started with before, there are two roads that, that are laid before you. And in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19, we have God speaking to Israel. And that could be the same message to you as well, standing here today, or sitting here today. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou, might, that thou mayest obey his voice. And that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life. And the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land, 
which the Lord swear unto thy, thy fathers, and to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. Heaven and earth today are standing record against you here to make a decision between life and death. There are two roads that stand before you today. Life and death. If you continue in the path that you are currently walking on, then you have chosen death. The path that leads to destruction. The path that leads to hell. To the lake of fire. Eternally separated away from God. Where the fire continues to burn and never, never stops. You'll never be consumed. You'll be consumed by your own lusts, all your own fleshly lusts and every desire that you have. And it'll be a place where you'd feel hopelessness, depression. The worst depression that you can ever have. Because there's no hope, but there's no escape. But if you choose life, then you need to change the path that you're currently walking on. You need to repent of your sins. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And when you do that, you choose life. If you haven't trusted in Christ as your Savior, then I would encourage you to do it today. I would encourage you to speak to someone after the service. I would encourage you not to delay. Because the decision that you make today has eternal consequences. We do not know when our life may end. We could walk out this, this um, hall today, we could drive in our car, and we could have an accident. You might step out and have a heart attack. We do not know our time. God knows the time. And God is always gracious to each and every one of us that He gives us the time to choose Him. But don't be like Pharaoh. God gave him a choice. It gets to a point where you continually reject against God. When, when God approached Pharaoh through Moses, he, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Every time Moses went to him, Pharaoh hardened his heart and he refused to listen. However, there is a turning point when your cup is of iniquity is full. And what happens in Scripture, God started hardening Pharaoh's heart. And if you get to that point where you have hardened your heart so long and your cup of iniquity is full and God starts hardening your heart there is no turning back you will end up in the lake of fire so while the Lord is still pricking your heart today don't delay make a choice for Him Amen